Quantum Alchemy Radio, where a new perspective is a new reality. One slight shift. Imagine this one slight shift in perception can cause our perspective to become a new reality. Why not you? Why not now? Join us. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Quantum Alchemy Radio. This is Anya Sophia Nan, your happy host today. Again, we're having a topic that is really, really close to my heart and a very big part of my world. And that topic is, do you have the signs of being telepathic? Science suggests we all do. So, What that brings me to, now it's a matter of awareness. It's really plugging in and looking for those signs, and that's what we're going to be chatting about in the show. also want to remind you that we have five segments to the show, and in segments two, three, and four, I will be doing live quantum alchemy laser coaching in the moment. So you might want to have a journal of some sort, folks, because if you're an ongoing listener, which we have many, many listeners now, you want to be capturing some of what I'm saying because I am giving lots of tips, tools, and techniques to support you in everyday coaching. And I do believe that's what we're doing all day, every day, in some way or another, personally and at work, we are doing forms of coaching. So I'll be giving you lots of tips on that. So welcome, everyone. Be sure to take a look on the left-hand side on the um, Quantum Alchemy Radio. You'll see all kinds of familiar buttons, you know, whether it's Facebook or Twitter. Let your friends know what we're up to. We want to make Quantum Alchemy Radio contagious. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we're up to some really good work here. Sometimes it's the slightest shift in perspective that allows the greatest change in you because you you will see things differently when you have that shift in perspective. And then in the first segment and in the last segment, we'll be dialoguing with our co-host, Ruth Haddock, let's check in and see if she's there. She was on earlier. Ruth, are you there? I am here. Hello, Anya, and hello, everybody. Hello, Rose. Woohoo! It's going to be a great show. Yeah, so it let's really check is. in. Um, let's check in, see where we are in terms of numbers and where the listeners, <laughs> excuse me, got to put down that cigar, where the listeners <laughs> are calling in from. <laughs> see, I'm going to be giddy all day today. I know it. <laughs> it's brilliant, Anya. Almost two. 1,500, almost 2,500 people listen now to Quantum Alchemy Radio. Isn't that brilliant? You know, how amazing yes. is that? So yes. lots more people, lots more people have signed up this week. We've got people now. We said, didn't we, last time if you were listening, we put it out there that anybody from Ireland, you know, jump on and let us know. And we do have somebody from Northern Ireland. Somebody from Northern Ireland Yay. has joined in which, if you don't know, that is actually part of the United Kingdom. So now the United Kingdom is complete. We've got England, Ireland, Scotland, and Wales, 
and they're the four countries that make up the United Kingdom. So we, we've got the whole of the United Kingdom now. We've got more states coming in. I think this week we've got people in from Arkansas, North Carolina. There's quite a lot of people in Illinois. I don't know what's going on in Illinois, but everyone's just hanging out and listening to Quantum Alchemy Radio, which is great. So if you're in Illinois, get out and tell your friends. So we're really popular there. So uh, lots of U.S. states. Uh, we've got some extra states in Canada. We had Canada before, but we didn't have Nova Scotia and we didn't have Manitoba. So Nova Scotia yeah. and Manitoba have joined us this week. Also, uh, we've got some extra countries. So in addition to all of the others, I'm going to read through the list because I love, just love to do that. I love to hear. <laughs> it brings us all together as as one, you know, human family, you know, all listening in, plugged in to, you know, receiving this valuable information that is um, making us more aware and raising our consciousness around a whole lot of different topics. It's, it's a joy, it's an honor, it's a pleasure, it's, I'm loving every moment of this route. Well, here we go. Here's the country list so far. We've got France. Spain, Belgium, the UK and the USA, as we've mentioned, and Canada, New Zealand and Australia, Germany and Singapore. Last week, Singapore was the first country that started to spread into Asia. Now this week, we've got India as well now and Mexico this week. So now, you know, we've got the Central America joining in. We need South America too. So if you're listening in South America, get on to over to anyasofiaman.com, sign up and let us know that you're there. <laughs> And somebody in Serbia, which for people who don't know is Eastern Europe. So Serbia is a beautiful country. Just uh, It's just east of Italy and north of Greece for people who aren't so familiar with that part of wow. Europe. So, wow. So beautiful country. So yeah, so that's where, that's where everybody is who's listening. Yay, that's fabulous. Yay. Thank you so much, listeners. We really appreciate your time and your energy and your attention to all that we're bringing to the show and sharing it with your friends. So fabulous. And today's topic is, do you have the signs of being telepathic? Science suggests that we all do. So Ruth and I are going to dialogue around that topic and bring in the science around it and um, help. Here we go, Ruth. Let's start where we usually do, which is let's take a look at telepathic. What the heck does that word mean? Well, thanks to our friend Wikipedia, where would we be without Wikipedia? <laughs> and so the word tele is, uh, means distance, something over, over, tele means over a distance. So phono is, is um, you may not know this, but phono is related to speech. So the word telephone meant uh -huh. speaking. That's where it came from. And the uh -huh. word pathos, pathos means feeling. You know, it's the ancient Greeks again. Pathos is the word for feeling. So telepathy means distant feeling. And the actual definition in Wikipedia says it's the transmission of information from one person to another without using any of our known sensory channels or physical Fantastic. Fantastic, Ruth. We say that again. That is fantastic right there. Transmission. It's the transmission of information from one person to another 
without using any of our known sensory channels or physical interaction. Mm-hmm. That is so. When I look to you know what are the signs of telepathic, that just sums everything up for me, Rose. So, what does it mean to you to hear that? Well, I think we all grow up with this idea that it's reading other people's minds. And I think from science fiction movies and things, when I was a kid, I still got that in my head, that, you know, if somebody's telepathic, they're going to read your mind. But it it actually is much more ordinary than that. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely, Ruth. That's fantastic, what you just said, because I remember... um, I remember a conversation, actually, it was with... Um, a therapist at the time and having a conversation about often in my experience throughout the years, Ruth, people would back away from me. And Mm. what I mean by that is, I mean, I could actually feel it. You know, they back away, so to speak. And she explained in the most graceful way that part of it is because People felt so seen. They felt so seen. So when you're when you're as clean, clear as you can possibly be within your being in any moment, and you come into the the energy field of another person, you can. I'll speak first person here. I can actually feel and sense and get information about what is going on uh, in their field, and we can't not because it's because we're all so connected. And then the other thing is the exact thing that you said, people have the response of, oh, no, get out of my head, don't read my mind. They feel like you're inside their head, you know, opening up, you know, doors and closet doors and peeking in. And it's not like that at all. The information actually just, comes to you. You don't go get it. It comes to you. And when you're open or you open up your channels or however you want to language it, um, let's look at a grid. Let's, you know, like a tic-tac-toe board or a checkerboard or a grid. Imagine a grid, folks. And, you know, as the grid has its lines, you know, horizontally and um, vertically, Let's pretend that each one of you is is inside one of those squares on that grid. So just to give you a visual of what you might be looking for in the in the telepathic realm or multidimensional realm, really, one just focuses, if you will, puts their attention on one of those squares. Let's say your name is Mary. So let's say you live in London. So Mary in London, ooh, the energy on that grid, those lines, just focusing on Mary in London, information will start to come through those channels or along those lines to I, the receiver, or you, the receiver. And you do not need to, you know, go to school or anything like that. We are all wired, all, to include animals. We're wired to be um, able to communicate telepathically. We are constantly 
receiving and sending messages to each other. Ruth, in this moment, I'm thinking about the tsunami, and um, I don't I don't know if you know this, folks, but the, all the animals, the reason not a whole lot of am, animals were killed in that is because they went to higher ground. They naturally knew to go to higher ground before the tsunami hit because they're so connected to the earth through their feet. And, um, you know, it's, again, telepathic communication. So what do you, what do you think about that, Ruth? Well, I'm just smiling because Mary in London is then now going, oh, my God, she knows I'm listening to Quantum Alchemy Radio. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't even sign that newsletter thing. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, that's absolutely right. I mean, it, it is yeah. just exactly as you say, especially with the animals and, and doing the research for this week's show. Um, I looked up Rupert Sheldrake, who we've, we've mentioned yeah. him before. Um, because he's he's done so much research specifically into telepathy and written a couple of books on the subject. And one of his books called uh, Dogs Who Know When Their Owners um, Were Coming Home. Dogs Who Knew When Their Owners right. Were Coming Home. And I went right. to, when Lynn McTaggart's book, The Field, came out many, many years ago, I went to the first field conference here in London in the UK that she held where Rupert Sheldrake was one of the keynote speakers and he just published this book at the time or just completed the research for it and he is a doctor uh, he's a doctor of biology so he's a scientist he's what we would think of as a mainstream conventional scientist and he works mm-hmm. at Cambridge University here in the UK. So this is somebody who's a respectable and respected scientist. And he studies telepathy, you know. And so he says that it's actually a normal part of animal nature, which includes us. And so he knew how to set up his experiments so that other scientists couldn't um, then debunk it, so that people couldn't say, you know, that's, that's not true because your research was poorly done, or that's not true because your, uh, your laboratory was contaminated or your research was set up badly. He knew exactly how to set up his experiments to exclude all the other possibilities that people would say, well, you always come home at 5 o'clock and the dog just got used to the time or, you know, the dog um, heard the phone ring or some such thing. He excluded all of these things so that the person themselves didn't even know when they were going to come home because the people in the experiment were given pages and Dr. Sheldrake said, when that pager bleeps, you go home. And they had CCTV cameras in monitoring the animals in the home. And as soon as that bleeper went off and that person started to make their way home, the dog would start to get excited because they knew they were coming. So amazing amazing piece of research and an amazing book that's called Dogs Who Know When Their Owners Are Coming Home. Right. And what about even even involving the other senses, Ruth? I mean, there there are stories about, and I have experienced this myself, where you can actually pick up the scent. What I mean by that is, you know, the, the scent of your husband's cologne or your mom's perfume. You, you know, you... Before they come in the door, you it's like, oh, wow, that smells like mom's perfume. And, you know, 10 minutes later they come to the door or the phone rings and it's them. So how do you describe that? 
Well, that's interesting, Annie, that because that, that is kind of how it works, really, because it is normal and it is natural, and that's why in this mm-hmm. week's description, uh, we said, you know, it's really not extrasensory perception. I mean, how can we perceive anything without our senses? We use our senses. And, but right. it's, a normal, it's a normal sensory perception, but used in kind of an unusual way. So we might logically think, you know, you might logically think you shouldn't smell your husband's cologne if he isn't in the room, you know. Uh, Right, but you are you are picking it up. You're still you're still using your senses, but you're picking it up. Um, but but right. that's that's how you're getting the the uh, the information. The information is just translated by your brain into a way that you can you can understand it. So that when you smell the cologne, you knew in your mind, oh, he must be on his way, because I can smell right. it now. Right, and it's all natural, and it's all normal, listeners. And, you know, we all have moments of it. You know, if we just, if we pay attention to it, it's nothing to be frightened of. I think of how many people, Ruth, that I've spoken to over the years that were frightened by, you know, if if information came in out of nowhere. They were, you know, and it kind of caused them to close that part of themselves down um, so that's also another big piece. And on the other end of that, Ruth, I believe that's where we're all going. I believe um, that we're all going to begin to heighten our consciousness around telepathic communication. Well, we all use I mean, it all yeah. the time. It's just that we don't notice that we do. Because there are little right. things that people go, oh, that, oh, that. That's not telepathy because it's ordinary. Because because we're taught to think that telepathy is something weird and and outside of us, and yet it really isn't. It's something just quite ordinary that we use all the time. I think of the number of times I I live with my 82 year old mother, and I'm often up, upstairs in the office, you know, on the computer, and she's often downstairs. And I think of the number of times when I'll walk into the into the uh, spare room and switch on the heating, and then Mum will shout out, "Roof!" Will you switch on the heating? And I go, I just did. <laughs> and we wouldn't think of that right. as telepathy, but it really is. Who was picking up on who? We, we, you know, we don't right. really know. But um, And you could say all the things like, oh, you probably just both felt cold at the same time, da 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 But there's, there's often little ways that we use telepathy on a daily basis, but mm-hmm. we just don't call it that. Mm-hmm. And the very thing that you think is a coincidence, um, People think, oh, that's a coincidence. But if you really look at it, it's more than a coincidence. Mm-hmm. And, Ruth, I, I think of, I'm not sure which show that we talked a little bit about this, and that is that the thought before it's thought is actually received by the other person or affects the outcome of something actually before you even have the thought. So maybe say a little bit about that, Ruth. That was that showed up in um, oh, Dr. Joe Dispenza. Dr. Joe Dispenza's ah, work. He's done right. a lot of work in neuroplasticity, and we keep saying this, but I'm going to say it again because it's so exciting. When we went to see him, Anya, in Arizona, and he yes. we did a weekend workshop, and he did this slow motion. It was an actual, it was an actual video of a thought. Crossing, crossing a nerve cell in the brain, and it was slowed down about three million times. And he said, "Don't blink, or you'll miss it." And it went zip, and that was in slow motion. 
That's how fast our thoughts happen. Um, But he has said that the decision that you're about to make, so say you're sitting there with a glass of orange juice and a glass of milk, and you honestly aren't conscious of which one you're going to choose. But he says, I forget the timing of it, though, on you. Is it three minutes or three seconds? But the point is, the decision you make shows up in your brain before you're aware that you've made it. Yes. If Dr. Joe had you hooked up to his equipment, he could tell you whether you were going to have milk or orange juice before you knew yourself. (laughs) Right. Right. I understand that because, Ruth, you know, I happen to, you know, being highly sensitive as I am, I can feel those thoughts. Yeah? Mm, You feel it it before it happens. You can feel when someone's made a decision or, you know, yeah, it's just, you know, I don't oh, know how much specific we could get on that. I mean, you almost have to have your own experience to, you know, get what we're saying here. Go ahead, Ruth. But that's, but that's telepathy in its purest form, Anya, because, uh, mm. it, because it's distant feeling. You know, it's feeling over a distance. Right. So that's yeah. telepathy well, in actually, its there, form. actually, there is no distance. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, as crazy as that sounds, listeners, there is no distance in the moments of telepathic communication. Yes, geographically, there's, you know, there'll be a distance. But when you're in the experience of it, it's instantaneous. It's as though it's all happening at the same time, which is another show, right, Ruth? Well, that fits into the field theory of mind, which says that at the quantum level, the mind is just one uh, field. You know, it's one it's one unit mm-hmm. at the quantum level, and so right. um, you know the the mind itself. What well, it, that gets us into the question of what is mind? The mind itself mm-hmm. is a non-local quantum field, and the brain is just like a tuner. You know, like a TV or a radio that picks up certain frequencies. So if we're all right. in the same quantum field, there really is no distance. Now that's getting into the mechanics of how telepathy actually works. It works because there is no distance. It just right. like right. because we think there's a distance. We think there's separation, yeah. really, where well, there really isn't. Yes, yeah. Yeah, what you think makes it so. <laughs> you know, that's, that's just the, you know, the loose quote from um, Shakespeare, there's nothing good or bad. It is thinking that makes it so. And that's Shakespeare. Um, and then I think of, what is it, Star Wars? Make, make it so. Oh, yeah. Is, is it <laughs> that's Dr. right, Spock? Star Wars. Star, <laughs> yeah. Star, no, it's Captain Jean-Luc Picard in Star Trek. <laughs> yeah, make it Make it so. And let's make this so, Ruth. Let's move into promo one. Listeners are going to bring forward a a promo. It's 30 seconds. Just tell you a little bit about my coaching practice and how to connect with me. And then we'll come right back into dialoguing around the topic of the show. Do you have the signs of being telepathic? And if science suggests that we all do. Here we go, Ruth. 30 seconds, listeners. If you are really ready for a quantum leap in your life, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, financially, or relationally, visit AnyaSophiaMan.com. V.
visionary intuitive, coaching, and consultant, AnyaSophiaMann.com. I'll see you there. Are you ready? Yeah. So very easy to connect with me, folks. You can, you know, I do offer a 30-minute complimentary um, coaching session with you, and that's to determine coachability, chemistry, and compatibility uh, to see if now is the time for you to consider a coaching relationship. You know, maybe you're at a point in your life where you want to change careers, you have better relationships, more time, more energy, whatever it is, don't hesitate to connect with me. <coughs> excuse me. Again, excuse me. And so, Ruth, on that note, shall we check in and see if there are any callers yet? If not, we'll continue with our dialogue. Not yet, so we just any? carry on. Ah, right. Okay. Okay. So what I'm loving here, Ruth, is really starting to dig into what are some of the signs. I mean, we all know the classic signs. Again, the phone lit, ringing and you... You're like, I know who that is. You just feel it, and that's who it is. Um, What else for you, Ruth, would you say are some of the signs that either you've experienced yourself or you're aware of in terms of telepathic communication? What are some of the signs for you? That one is is a common one. uh, Like people who I live with will both end up in, I mean, at the moment, I'm living with my mother, but I've lived in community. I've lived in, you know, lots of different places. And it's, it seems to be the case that we'll both go to the kettle at the same time mm-hmm. for a, to make a cup mm-hmm. of tea. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, we'll both end up in the kitchen at the same time, practically bumping into one another. And uh, you think, you know, who's copying who here? Like, we both seem to have the idea at the same time. But if the mind right. is a field... And we're just both tuned into it, and there's an idea there floating about, like cup of tea. We're probably just both picking up the same idea at exactly the same time. Yes, yes, and, I think and that is a, that's an important piece, um, listeners, to get. Is you know, have you ever had the feeling, you know, you're sitting there in in pots of thought, and you're like, that's what am I? Where did that come from? I'm not even thinking about that. Doesn't that make you wonder? Whose thought is it? You know, it's not your thought. We're all swimming in this collective consciousness, this ocean of thoughts, if you will. And the ones that come through aren't always yours. So careful what you think. That's been the message from, you know, the great masters, the great teachers, the great spiritual teachers all along. Maybe say a bit about that, Ruth. What about the what the spiritual teachers have said? Be careful what yes, you're saying. Yes, in terms of yeah. you know, I mean, it's 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 a common theme that's been said by so many. You know, whether it's your thoughts create your reality, or careful what you think, or as in Shakespeare, you know, what you think makes it so. Um, and not all the thoughts are your thoughts. So maybe a little bit about that. I think for a number, I think there's a, a number of different reasons, but just specifically about the t- telepathic piece is because we. Uh, so we've all heard the expression like "misery loves company." I forget what we were talking about, and you were <laughs> yesterday, and you said that misery loves company. But if if 
we notice that you go into a room and you might be feeling quite happy and then and then you go into a room where people are really miserable and they're just retelling the same old, same old and the next minute you're yeah. feeling depressed and down yourself. I think that's one of the main reasons is once we realize that not only are we picking up on other people's thoughts, we're picking up on other people's feelings, we're all in this this kind of field, if you like. We're all in this kind of yeah. together. And what we think and yeah. feel is contributing to that. So that, yeah. on one level, that's really empowering because that means you've got the power to change the flavor of the soup. And I remember many years on your working with you, where you were you were saying this. You were, you were you were telling me this. You know that you can really you have the power to change the situation because you know anyone who's ever baked a cake. If you just change one ingredient in that cake, you get a different cake. So all you really need to do is work on changing yourself, and you'll get a different outcome. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a very big concept for people to get, Ruth. Mm-hmm. And it seems to be quite a theme that we keep talking about that gets weaved into almost every show. And I, that's why it excites me, listeners, to think about your expanding consciousness, your expanding awareness. You know just expanding yourself, not getting locked into any thought form or way of doing things or way of thinking about something. Open up. Walk around whatever it is that you're you're going to make a decision on in your mind. Walk around it so you start to, you know, hear it and see it from different levels. And that's that's what I look for, you know, on the live coaching yeah, I, I, you know, I, I hesitate there for a moment, Ruth, because um, my mind has gone right into how much the role of telepathic communication has played um, in my life in coaching. It's just, it, it's magical, and we all have it. It's about opening up to it and becoming aware of it. So do we have any callers to check in on, Ruth? If not, we'll just go ahead and continue our dialogue. Not yet. Just continue. Okay. And so, Ruth, Rupert Sheldrake, maybe we chat a little bit about that um, amazing talk that he did. Yep, sure. And so what he's talking about here is about how telepathy is evolving as we are evolving. So human beings, he says, are the most advanced users of telepathy, even though we don't realize it, because it's natural. He says all animals, dogs, parrots, he did a fantastic talk. When when I went to to this field conference, he showed a video of this parrot that, that knew when her owner was coming home. So it wasn't just dogs. It was all animals, he says, have telepathy. And so... Um, I'm, I'm like all of this information where to go first with it because he spoke a little bit about morphogenic fields which I think is important so we'll mention a little bit about that in, in a little while but he gave one of the best um, examples of telepathy in humans and that's we 
like we've said, we all use telepathy all the time, but we just don't call it that. Like, how often do you think of something at the same time as your friend, or you both go to say something, and you say the same thing at the same time? That is actually telepathy, but we just don't think it is. You know, so right. quite ordinary people, every single day, we all have telepathy. And, uh, but it only comes to our attention. We, all, we just laugh when that happens. So you're out with your friend. You both say, hey, let's go for coffee at the same time. You just laugh and you go for your coffee. And you don't think any more about it. You don't go, oh, my God, we just had telepathic moments. But when it's in certain circumstances that something unusual happens and it gets our attention. And the example that Rupert Sheldrake gave was of a boy who'd gone to the optician with his mother and he was um, yeah. Yeah. partially blind or fully blind on you. But he yeah. was, anyway, he was, reading, he was reading correctly all of the letters on the, on the optician's card. And the optician knew he couldn't see them. So he thought, there's got to be right. some other way that this is happening. And so they asked the mother to leave the room. And when the mother left the room, the boy couldn't do it. And so they realized then that he was actually picking up on what those letters were from his mother. And so they then set up experiments with uh, him and the mother, you know, in separate rooms with cards and things. And I think he said about 38% of the time the boy was able to pick up on what the mother was, you know, what yeah. the mother was seeing. Which yeah. to an ordinary yeah. people, we might think, well, that's not great, is it 38%? But in terms of research, that is actually highly statistically significant. That was mm -hmm. a really amazing mm -hmm. that he could, you know, they would have thought if he was guessing, he would have got maybe 10%. But to pick up 38% right. showed that there was actually something definite going yeah. on there. That actually, Ruth, um, you know, listening to you referring to that, um, and, and of course I'm aware of it because I listened to, to that talk as well, it just humbles me. It humbles me and it excites me when I sit in the realization, listeners, of just how amazing we are as human beings. How magnificent we are as a being and, and the wiring of these physical vehicles, these amazing machines that we're driving around in. It's absolutely so evident to me, Ruth. We are wired to communicate with each other and be in community. Be in community and connection. And so think about how vital that must be to our well-being. Just humbles me. You know, Ruth, I think of the research, and, and here I am in it right now, of how important we are to each other. Maybe say a, a bit about that, Ruth, how we're wired to connect with and to each other. We're, we're actually feeding each other. We're actually, you know, giving transmissions of thought and those energy or chi, whatever language you want to call it. For example, the one that comes most to my mind, and I've often referred to this, Ruth, but here I go again, you know, think about when you learned how to ride a bike or when you were teaching your child or a neighbor's child, you know, 
it, you're transmitting your feeling, your energy, your thought. You can do it. You can do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Push, push, push. That's a transmission of energy. And what are we? But we are flowers of energy. And so just, you know, your hand gently on the, on the back of that child and they're pedaling and pedaling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go, go. And then you, you can feel the moment when to take your hand off their back. And off they go. They're riding. They're actually riding your energy, your transmission, your thoughts, your feelings being transmitted. They're riding on that until, boom, they connect with their own and you see them take off. It's it's so beautiful. That's true in all of our encounters. Maybe say a bit about that, Ruth. Well, that taps into so many things, Anya, because I mentioned earlier about Dr. Sheldrake's work on morphogenic fields, and what he's discovered is that there are electromagnetic fields that we live in. So we each would have our own individual magnetic field, but then we would have a shared magnetic field with our family, and then there will be a shared magnetic, magnetic field with the people in the town that we live in. So it would kind of like go up, you know, like those Russian dolls that you, that you love on, you've heard you, t- you know, using those, yes. the analogy yes. of the Russian dolls. But these are yes. actually um, magnetic fields that kind of fit inside one another. So literally when yes. we're intentioning for somebody else, when we're really, really wanting something for somebody else, mm. like you're really mm-hmm. wanting your child to ride that bike and you, you're transmitting, what you're doing is you're emitting light into a contained field. You are literally holding the space. You're creating a space in which that child's going to ride right. that bike and you're holding that space for them. Literally. Right. And so this fits in with the article in show number one where we were talking about uh, DNA emitting light and that um, scientists can show now that our cells are actually communicating to one another through light. There's information passing not only between your cells in your body as an individual, but between my cells and your cells over distance. You know, our cells are actually communicating to one another. And so that's partly in his research on dogs who know when their owners are coming home. He's done, a, uh, Dr. Rupert Sheldrake again now, he's done a lot of work in these morphogenic fields and how members of, uh, like dogs, for example, members of a, of a wolf pack, they will know if one of their members has gone, you know, strayed over a certain distance. They will still be in contact yes. with that member of the pack. And so... Likewise, human beings, we are group animals, we're primates, we're meant to live in groups, in in small families, communities, tribes, villages, and we have a shared collective morphogenic field, you know, the shared information in our collective field. And when somebody is excluded from that, when somebody is uh, like lives alone and has very little social contact, with other people. Studies have shown they get sicker. They get sicker, they get more depressed, they have more ill health. So it just, it's exactly with what you've said that actually being in communion with other humans is vital for our health. Yes. And, um, excuse me, Um, so Ruth, I'm not going to say this well, uh, listeners, because I, I don't remember in this moment where I read, heard, saw, listened to, and maybe you might know, Ruth, but basically they did 
a study, some form of a study, Ruth. And the reason, I'm not going to say it well, but here we go, the reason that Facebook, they've done studies, and the reason that Facebook, let's just call it, is good for your health because of the pictures of the people. When we see a picture of another human being, especially when we're in communication with them, even if it's, you know, just typing short bursts, hey, how you doing, what's up today, and that's it. That, again, is connecting us into this web of life, this sense of community that we are connected, which then opens up a whole new world and expands us consciously or unconsciously into the knowing and the relaxation that comes with I am not alone. I am here for a reason. We are all connected. And it is the pictures on Facebook that people associate to. And then taking that a little bit further, that's another reason why it's very important to have, you know, pictures of your friends, pictures of your relatives, pictures of people that you know. Just looking at those pictures connects you to them and brings you into a state of well-being. Very important. Can you say a bit about that, Ruth? Well, I don't know about the research specifically with the pictures, but what you've just been talking about is what we might call a sense of belonging. And certainly having a sense of belonging is way, way up there on the list of things that's considered vital for your health and well-being. Going back to this idea of if you don't have a sense of belonging, if you feel like you're an outcast, you know, you don't belong to anyone or you have nowhere to go, then that your health and well-being starts to deteriorate rapidly. Yes, yes, absolutely. So we'll say more on that topic, listeners. We're just going to jump in with a 30-second promo, just telling you a little bit about our co-host here, Ruth Katakin, and her practice and what she has to offer you. So, Ruth, here we go. Your Soul Path Astrologer, RuthHaddigan.com. If you're asking, who am I? Why am I here? What is my purpose? There are answers. You were born with them in your astrological mandala. Focus session with RuthHaddigan.com. Ruth answers your deepest questions about your life and relationships. But now, Ruth Haddigan. I smile when I hear that, Ruth. (laughs) I just smile when I hear that because I think about how many people Ruth has supported in um, coming to the place where they're understanding their energy mandala. What is their purpose here? What, What is the energy mandala that they were born in the moment that you were born? You were born, energies were just, hitting the planet, and really set the tone for uh, the path that you would walk on in life. Very, very informative. And last week, for those of you who go ahead and listen to the archives, last week Ruth did her first show. So it's really well worth listening to. I learned that It's a wealth of information that's on there if you want to learn also about the distinctions of soul path astrology or esoteric astrology, which is different than traditional um, astrology. Yeah, it's just amazing. So 
really take the time, folks. Get out your notebooks because you'll want to jot down the information. And so on that note, Ruth, uh, maybe we check in. Do we have any listeners to check in that have called in for coaching? Let's check on that. If not, I'm going to continue our dialogue. Yeah, not yes. yet. We must, be, we must be meant to dialogue around telepathy some more. Well, because it is. It is such an important topic. <laughs> so transmission, we, we left with um, the transmission of energy. Um, folks, the power of you, that's all I can say to you, the power of you. Let's say that you have a friend or a relative, and let's say they, you know, they're dealing with an illness or in the hospital or whatever. You actually can telepathically communicate with them, even people who are in a coma. I know. I've done it. And so basically, you know, let's keep it real simple here, folks. It boils down to is what you think at the time that you're thinking of them, what you feel at the time that you are thinking of them or being with them is affecting them. There's no doubt about it. So let's say the person's ill, they're in the hospital. You don't want to see them as ill and in the hospital. Yes, they are, and you don't deny your reality. point is you put your attention, you put your focus on happy moments that you remember with them. You know, anything that's going to bring the most emotion, for example, you know, whatever, you're laughing and, you know, you, it's just that joy that's being transferred. They do feel that. So don't focus on them being sick or being ill. Yes, don't deny reality because that's what's going on for them. But on another level, see them in the light and the joy of who they really are as healthy and well. And that changes the temperature of the water or changes the flavor of the soup that we're all swimming in. We have such a magnificent role that we play in each other's lives. And Ruth, maybe say a little bit about, um, again, Rupert Sheldrake, maybe spell that, because you can go there and there's little tests, if you want to, if you will, you know, test to see if you're telepathic. And yes, we all are. It's about raising consciousness around it. So that might be a, a good beginning for you if that if that's of interest. So Ruth, Rupert. Yes, yeah, so it's Dr. Rupert Sheldrake, and his his uh, family name is Sheldrake, S-H-E-D-R-A-K-A. And his website is simply sheldrake.org. And he's got lots of little ongoing tests and research mm-hmm. You can participate in his research into telepathy if you're really interested in that. Just get over to uh, sheldrake.org. And uh, he's done lots of different surveys and and research. You know, he's done uh, a telephone telepathy test and he's done... uh, um, a photo telepathy test. I'm just reading this now on his website. He's done testing for telepathy in connection with emails. I don't know how he's done that. Um, and he's, he's done, you know, there's videos up there. You know, there's, there's so much on telepathy because this guy has been researching it for years. So this is how we know that some of the things that we think of as just ordinary things, they're actually telepathy. And one of them is actually the title of, uh, I think this might have been his first book. I'm not sure because it was written a long time ago so as long ago as 2003 he wrote this book called the sense of being stirred at 
and other aspects of yeah. the extended yeah. mind. Now, don't we yeah. all know that, Anya? Don't we all know yeah. that sense of being stirred at? Someone looking at me, yeah, you turn really. around, there you go, someone was looking at you. Mm. That's telepathy. Mm. Yeah. And yes, yet we can absolutely. all relate to that. Yes, yes. And, and often you'll hear me say, experiment for yourself, you know, folks. Absolutely. Choose, choose a place, any place, Starbucks for coffee, the shopping mall, the grocery, and just connect with another human being in your mind and say, you might say something like, turn around. And in your head, you're just saying, turn around. As you're focusing on that person, I'll never forget the first time I did it, Ruth, and the person turned around and I'm like, whoa. You know, it's like, no, that didn't happen. That was a coincidence. That was too much of a coincidence. <laughs> and, so then, and so then as you go along and you say, okay, I'll try it again. And you might say something like, sit down. Like at the mall, there's benches. Sit down. Sit down. And just let it go. No attachment. No attachment. Like, you've got to do this. Just sit down and see the person sitting down. I'll never forget the first time to me it happened. The person walked past the bench, stopped, turned around, looked at the bench, and sat down. I, I actually got scared of myself. <laughs> I go, oh, no, how does that happen? And then my mind opened up, and I'm like, well, if you can do it with that, what else is going on? You know, which opens up the whole new world, like subliminal suggestions, you know, like they do at the movie theater with the popcorn and all that. Next thing you know, you, yeah. don't, know, yes. you, don't, you don't know why you want popcorn. It's all those subliminal su- suggestions. But that's another show. Ruth, I wanted to pick up on what you said about um, tele- uh, telepathy and email. Okay? So once you become more consciously aware and you, you expand and you really open up to the ideas of telepathic communication, you will start to realize, I absolutely, Ruth, can tap in telepathically from email. I, can, mm. I just can feel what the person was feeling at the time that they sent the email, without a doubt. It, it's like an energy, if you will, Ruth, like thoughts. Before you think the thought, the energy of it is already there. It precedes the actual communication, and I can feel, you know, just opening it up. It's also like um, when we sit in a movie theater or any place where we sit, we actually will pick up the energy of the person who has sat there before. So that's, a, that's yeah, that's a whole other topic. I've been in situations where I can actually pick a seat in a, you know, a gathering, I'll choose a seat. I won't sit in it, and I'll actually sense sense the person who's going to sit in that seat and describe them. And it's so much fun to watch, you know, who, who you've described, you know, a male, a little bit overweight, has a mustache, watch the person sit in the seat. Fascinating. Maybe say a bit about that, Ruth. Well, it's the field again. It's 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 the, you're yep. actually you're actually tuning into this field. You know, this there's an energetic field, and the person who sat there before has has you know left their energetic signature. But you, Anya, I have to say, you, I, I, one of, one of the things I notice about you is your precision 
in describing. I mean, I've been working with you now for over 12 years, and I've got so much better. (laughs) To me, by my standard, I'd say I'm 300% better at at being aware of energy, being aware of energy. And yet, I'd still be like kindergarten compared to your PhD level for reading energy. Because your precision amazes me. Your precision in, in, in making distinctions between certain kinds of energy and certain types of energy. And as I've said here on, the, on this show, I mean, that really, working with you, has been one of the major uh, benefits for me to help me to describe the, the energetics in soul astrology. So in my work, yes. to help to make distinctions between the energies of certain signs. So people are often blown away by the descriptions I give them of the differences of energy between the signs. And that's, that's really come from you. Not that you know the astrological language, but because you make such precise distinctions in the descriptions of energy, and then I recognize the astrological piece, I would go, oh, well, that's Aquarius, or oh, well, that's Scorpio, or whatever, yeah. you know. But, uh, yeah. but that's, that's one of the things that's amazing about you. And so it, for you to be able to do that, the information must be there. Right? You're not just making it up. So to be as precise as you are about the information that you that you're that you're reading, you know the information must be there as you know as clear as the letters in a book or something. You know, to another per- would be to another person. Right, right. And we and again, listeners, I can't stress to you enough. We all have it, and um, it's a matter of opening up to it, and you know, practicing a little bit and working with it. Very, very, um, it's natural, it's natural, it's normal, and very beneficial when you start to operate at, you know, connecting with your family at that level or connecting with coworkers or setting the tone for a meeting that you're going into where you want a particular outcome. This, I, I, could, I could speak on the subject of telepathic communication, Ruth, mm-hmm. for weeks, and, mm-hmm. It's, mm-hmm. and it's practical application. Um, you know, for example, oftentimes, you know, if asked to connect with the consciousness, let's say, of someone who's on the spectrum diagnosed with autism who is nonverbal, being able to connect with the consciousness at that level and being able to bring forward information that's beneficial to their teacher or to their parents is um, it's humbling actually, and that is a skill, <laughs> listeners, that we all have that we can work with and hone that skill. Part of it is being relaxed in our mind, and what I mean by that is is not having all that busy chitter chatter going up there, you know. I have to do this, I have to do that. What about this? What about the little, 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 little? How can you hear anything, <laughs> you know, in terms of a connection or a communication? So that would be one of the initial pieces that I would, you know, work with a person or recommend is to to do things that quiet the mind. And it can be as simple as sitting and just noticing the busyness up in your head. And once you start to notice the busyness, get your attention off of it and just gaze at a piece of white paper or gaze at a mirror 
or gaze at a light that's in the room, relaxing your mind because you're not paying attention to it. You're not doing anything to it. You're just taking your attention off of it. There isn't anything a busy mind likes more than to have attention on it. You know, oh, let's think another thought or I can't think straight or get your attention off of it and just look at a blank piece of paper. That will begin to relax the mind because then you can start to hear those subtle communications that are happening anyway. Maybe say a bit about that, Ruth. They're happening anyway. The subtle communications, telepathic, are happening anyway. Yes, because the field is there and we're not separate from it. We're not apart from it. We're based in this magnetic field and we're contributing to generating it. You know, our cells, as we said in, in show number one in the article about DNA emitting light, our cells are constantly communicating. There is constant information being carried on light waves within this field, within this electromagnetic field. They're there anyway. It's just a question of whether we're aware of them or not. And I think the reason people don't, Annie, you mentioned about cultivating the skill, you know, working with it to develop the skill. I think the reason people don't is because they don't believe in it. And yes, yes. it's very ordinary and every day, but people dismiss that. They go, oh, that's not telepathy. That's just coincidence. Yes. Or we just both thought of it at the same time. Or, but, and then at the same time, you know, people will joke, oh, yeah, whenever I think of my friend, she always calls. I only have to think of Joan, and Joan will be on the phone, you know. And... Um, and, the, and yet that's exactly what it is. You know, that's telepathy. Right, right. And, the, and again, I can't say enough about the benefits of it and what a difference it makes in communication, especially the younger the child and the older the person. What I mean by that is small children and senior, senior folk, you know, the, the closer they get to their, their time of winding down, if you will, in this lifetime their minds are more relaxed or more clear because that's what they're doing. They're letting go. And children coming in, their minds are not cluttered like our minds are. So they're very easy, very easy to connect with. So, again, there's, there's a playground right there. Think of a color. I, I mean, think of, I think of my grandson who's just turned seven, actually, and the games that we play of what color is Nana thinking. And then having him hold a thought, and he thinks the color. And he got like seven out of ten roofs. I mean, mm-hmm. he was, you know. And again, that's just opening him up to the idea through experience that there are other ways to communicate. Um, and then opening up to the realm as well, how do animals communicate with each other? Because nobody's really teaching us in school about these very important things. Ruth, you know what? On on that note, let's talk a little bit about quantum alchemy. Yes, um, listeners, in the first show that we did, we talk a lot about what the heck is quantum alchemy. I'm feeling moved in this moment, Ruth. Let's let's revisit that just for a few minutes before going into a quantum moment. And prior to that quantum moment, I think I'd like to jump in with the tenant roof, um, and we'll say a little bit about that. Sure. So 
we got the definition of quantum from Wikipedia that refers to the sub-physical level of existence. Right. And the definition of alchemy. Mm-hmm. Sub-physical, so it's below mm-hmm. the physical level of existence. And then alchemy refers to the process of liberation from temporal existence, which is a beautiful definition. It refers to the process of liberation from temporal or time-based existence. So when we put those two together, quantum alchemy is the interface between the physical and the non-physical where all change and healing happens. So when we're talking about quantum alchemy, we're talking about making changes at the level of um, that this non-local quantum field. We're talking about changing, uh, shifting our perspective that makes significant changes in the in the field. And if it changes the field, it can change it can change everyone because we're all part of the field. Yes, and then that ties in with to the meaning that you gave earlier that we, you know, we on the transmission of the information from one person to another. So say a little bit about that, tying that in, like telepathic. It is distant feeling. But you don't go anywhere. It's right here. Yes, (laughs) tie that in with. Well, that's right, because this comes from ancient Greece. So tele meaning distance and pathos meaning feeling. So the original word telepathy meaning distant feeling. So it seems as though we're feeling over distance. There's an apparent distance, isn't there? I mean, I'm sitting here in what we call the UK and you're sitting there in what we call the USA. There's an apparent, on the physical level, it appears like Mm -hmm. there's a distance. But... In the quantum field, the, the field that we're talking about, the non-local quantum field, which is the mind, there is no distance. And so I think it was show number five, the multidimensional you, where we spoke about the spectrum of consciousness. And on this show, we spoke about three levels of consciousness, meaning that we have three levels of awareness. And they were the um, the gross, the subtle, and the yes. extremely subtle levels of consciousness. And so we said yes. on that show, based on the research that we were doing for that show, Ken Wilber's work, The Spectrum of Consciousness, that the gross level of consciousness is tangible things. You know, you pick up a rock, you can feel it, you can say that's a rock. So that's what we, we mean by gross. It's, it's tangible. And then the subtle level are thoughts. I can think, oh, you know, I'm, I'm warm. But nobody in the room, supposedly, unless they're all telepathic, knows that I've thought that. It's, it's what we call the subtle level. We can't see or feel that thought, but we know we've experienced a thought. That's the subtle level. But then um, the mystics and the yogis over the years have spoken about this extremely subtle consciousness, which is uh, beyond thinking. And this level of consciousness is said to be the aspect of consciousness that reincarnates. So this is what's mm-hmm. interesting because that, that level of consciousness, once we're able to pick up the extremely subtle level of consciousness, then we're in the field. Then we're in the field beyond the gross mm-hmm. level, beyond the brain. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and so I'm thinking of the quote, Ruth, help me out with it, um, beyond beyond the field of right doing of Oh, that's right. That's Is right. That I, I was, it's Rumi. It's actually a Rumi, oh, Rumi. Was a Persian. He was a Persian uh, poet and right. mystic. And uh, it's it's um, something like, and I might not say this exactly right, mm-hmm. but it's something mm-hmm. like far out beyond ideas of right doing yeah. and wrong doing. There is a field. I'll meet you there. Now that fits with what you said about Shakespeare earlier. There is uh, no no right or wrong, but thinking makes it so. So Shakespeare yeah. calls, and a lot of there are a lot of contemporary scholars, modern scholars, who think that Shakespeare was a mystic because there was so much hidden spiritual meaning and knowledge in a lot of Shakespeare's work. So it seems as though Rumi and Shakespeare were speaking on the same lines there. Right, right. So so on that note, Ruth, shall we move into, um, listeners, two or three minutes of a quantum moment where we're just mm-hmm. going to go below the physical, below the physical, quantum, we're going below the physical, and this field, and I'm going to meet you there. And so just relax and close your eyes. And for those who are going to connect to this later, let's just drop in and see what comes. So here we go. the world. We, me, us, you, all of us, we are the whole world. Feel that. are the center of your universe that you are co-creating as your world and this is why there are worlds within worlds within worlds we are the world relax into that idea that you are the center of your own universe. And everything you think, say, and do influences that universe of yours. We are the whole world. 
creating. Just sit in that idea. Relaxing deeper with every breath. Are you breathing? We are the world. And you mean the world to me. Hear that literally. Think we and watch your world change. I experienced that Ruth just is just absolute connection, relaxation and connection to everything, to all of it. Every time every time I just sit in that space of just opening up to the to the idea that we are, we all are in community, in unity consciousness, collective consciousness, we we all are. We are a we. It's uh, mm. Mm, beautiful. Kind of takes so the burden off being a little me. <laughs> <laughs> it's you know, awesome. and Ruth, Ruth, when I when I think of that, I can't not not think of the musician, the artist that created that music, and it's as if it's like being with that person at the time that they created it. Like they created it just for that quantum moment. Absolutely. So that that piece was called Dream Culture and that was created by Kevin McLeod and his website mm-hmm. is incompetech.com. Right, right. And so, listeners, let's move into the Conscious Journey tenet. So, Ruth, let's move, let's say a bit a little bit about the tenet. Because I love, I, 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 I don't see it. I don't see it. And now I'm just scrolling it up in front of me. I'm not reading it. Actually, I'm gazing at this gorgeous picture, Ruth. Um, beautiful, two peaceful ducks on an amazing pond that's reflecting the sun setting. Or it, may, it might be the early morning. I'm not sure. I can't see the words yet, but I'm going to read the words. But say a moment, Ruth, about the tenant. Okay, so the tenets are up on lifecoachingmagazine.net. If you go to lifecoachingmagazine.net, click on the features index, and you'll see a section called In the Light of a New Day. And Anya was invited to write a chapter for a book uh, some years ago now, 2009, I think it was. And uh, this is how 
her words came through. They just came through as a as a as a download, just one continual piece of uh, of poetry, poetic verse. And then on you got heard the word tennis and said, "What's a tennis?" I said, "I don't know. Let's look it up." Yeah, there we go. Wikipedia, our friend Wikipedia. Um, what's a tennis? And apparently, a tennis are tennis are poetic verses that guide us, that guide us in life and guide us on our spiritual mm. path. So it couldn't have been more perfect. And then when Anya actually counted the number of verses in this in this chapter, there were 44. So then after, after that chapter was published in that book, which is called um, The View, Mind Over Matter and Heart Over Mind, and the editor was Dave Patrick, you can find that on Amazon. Um, but after that chapter was published, Anya then published each tenet individually on Life Coaching Magazine with a beautiful picture from her own uh, photography collection, some of which have been taken by herself and some by friends. I think this was actually taken by a friend of yours, Anya. And as I remember rightly, I think this is the early morning sun. I think it's a sunrise picture. So, Beautiful. story behind the tenets and, and today's tenet yeah. is number 11. <laughs> So that's a lot of fun. So here I go, folks. <clears throat> clearing my throat again. What's going on? Lots of clearing today, folks. So here we go. This is Conscious Journey Tennis number 11 out of 44 in the light of a new day. Oh, I can't wait to see if it resonates for what we've been talking about today. Here we go. In the light of a new day, our consciousness can shift and we can really view ourselves and feel ourselves as people of the world. We, the people of the world, are individually united. Remember the words, united we stand, divided we fall. We are a human family. We are a system. We go nowhere without each other. I really resonate to the expression, we don't go until we all go. <laughs> it's as if that was written for the show. <laughs> right, Ruth? <laughs> Isn't it? <laughs> People... People are going to think we do this on purpose, but we really don't. And yet every single week so far, they have actually been perfect. And sometimes I do peek at them before, but I didn't this week. And Anya never does. She never does. She just comes straight to it and just reads reads it in the moment. So um, united we stand, divided we fall. You know, we've been talking about this on today's show. This is it. You know, we're all... In the right. field, there's no, no separation. We're all cells right. right. in the same, right. the same body of humanity. And speaking of telepathic, and every thought has a vibration, words have a vibration, roots, isn't it interesting? And I don't fully know all of it because, because of the expanded space I'm in when I do it. But the quantum moment, doesn't that even resonates to this. Oh, yes, absolutely. Yes, perfect. Perfect. Right. And we don't go until we all go. Let's take a look at that, Ruth. What that that will mean something different to everyone. Um, 
So I want to, I'll share what it means to me in the moment, folks. It's a really important piece here. We don't go until we all go. So what might that mean to you? We don't go until we all go. For me, that means that there's, oh, let's just call it the spiritual journey. We're on the spiritual path and we're moving toward enlightenment. And what that means for me is is that's not arriving anywhere. Enlightenment for me simply means is that we are awakened. We are aware, we're alert to um, the present moment. We are very clear, very aware in the present moment. And so we don't go until we all go. And for me, in this moment, what that means, you know, the Buddha, Christ, whomever comes to your mind in the moment, there's no arriving anywhere. We are all evolving. Our consciousness is ever evolving. So there's nowhere to arrive to. And we don't go until we all go. In other words, when one gets to a certain place, let's say they're, they're pretty clear, they're in clarity, and then someone is very confused in their life and their life reflects, you know, all that confusion and they have lots of troubles and rah, 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 all those things. Just you sitting in your stillness, your quiet space, is affecting them, is affecting their ability to become quiet because you're not adding any noise to the field that we all are connected to and live in. So we don't go until we all go. In other words, nobody's arriving anywhere. We're all moving in a direction. So Ruth, maybe say a little bit about that. Well, as, as, you speaking, as you were speaking, I was thinking of Ramana Maharshi, who was an Indian sage who's passed away in the 80s, I think. Um, but what people most said about him and, and uh, why they, the reason why they wanted to be with him was his silence you know, very, very quiet inside and his stillness. And, mm-hmm. and when they sat with him, he they became still and quiet as well. And that's what, why they loved to be with him. And um, mm-hmm. and when he was when he was dying and he knew he was dying and, and his, uh, you know, his students and his followers became upset and, you know, one man, you know, said, well, you know, what will we do when you go? What will we do when you leave? And he said, where would I go? So I, that's what that reminded me of, is that we don't go until we all go, is that there's, there's nowhere to go. You know, his f- physical body right. might pass, but that su- extremely subtle level of consciousness that we're talking about is still in the field. So um, so he goes to the field, and we're all in the same field as humanity. Right. That's a, that's a really big concept, folks, to sit with. You know, just, yeah. Just, just sit with the idea of it. And don't think about it too much in your head. Look out into nature to have nature kind of teach you that concept. For example, look at a tree and look at the tree with all the branches and the roots that go below and the trunk and all the leaves and just 
contemplate the tree and realize you're a leaf on that tree and that you are connected to the, all of it. You are not separate from the leaf beside you. You can't be. You might feel like you're your own leaf, but you can't not, not be connected to the, all of it. So there's a, there's a little piece of field work if you want to go ahead and add on. So Ruth, maybe we do just a little wrap. We have about 30 seconds or less. So just to let people know that they can link to the Facebook page to your website, anyasofiamam.com, and then join us again for next week's show, which will be all about um, bullying and compassion. Oh, yes. (laughs) Bullying and compassion. Ooh, tender topic right there. So I think it's a wrap. Everyone, thank you so much. Thank you, thank you for your time, your energy, your thoughts, your feelings, all of that. We are co-creating this show. What you think about it, what you feel about it, actually is co-creating, which just really speaks to there's that telepathic communication we're picking up on the all of it. So we will see you next time. Thank you for being here. And be, be well and be good to each other because you are connected to everyone. We'll see you next time, folks. Bye. Now you can also read Anya's unconventional poetry, prose, and musings at clearlight.substack.com. Thank you for listening to the Quantum Alchemy Radio Show. Join us again as hosts, guests, and callers create a new, different, and timely show. We invite you to be the shift that wants to happen in the world. Thank you.